welcome back to the Ezra Lip Hour, more or less. Episode 10 with my man, Marco Benevento. It is funny what you think you might be when you get older, but the uh, best part about it is, is the search anyway. So what's really helpful for this sort of thing is having you know people that you're with be a source of inspiration for you and uh, a source of positivity. So yeah, it's, it's funny. You never know. I didn't think I was going to turn out to to be like this at all. <laughs> anyway, more of Marco in a minute. But hey, congrats everyone. We did it. We're in, we're in double digits of this podcast, which uh, I, I feel like is momentous for, uh, you know, it's still obviously just the beginning, but feels good to uh, not have to start every episode with a, with a zero before it. I think um, I think it's 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 good. It's it's been a great journey so far, and thank you all for embarking on it with me. It really feels like that way, based on uh, talking to different folks. And yeah, I'm looking forward to to getting up to uh, triple digits um, sometime. Maybe 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 a year or two from now. We'll we'll see how we'll see how it goes. Um, anyway, greetings from a hotel room in Wyoming. I uh, just finished up a run with Assembly of Dust, Reed Janauer's band um, in the, the, the wonderful Targi Festival in Wyoming where uh, I just left and an, another show in Big Sky, Montana, which was absolutely gar- gorgeous. Saw some good friends at the Targi Festival, other, other great music. So happy to be here, but also happy to be going back to California tomorrow. All right, a few, a few things. I got a... Uh, email from a listener who mentioned that he introduced the podcast to his daughter and his daughter liked it but asked uh, do I know any female musicians and I just wanted to say to set the record straight um, I'm, I'm aware uh, that so far in these 10 episodes I've only had uh, men m- male musicians on the show and it hasn't been intentional. I was I was hoping to have at least one woman in the first ten episodes. It didn't work out. But just just so you know, um, it is something I, I have in mind. I have uh, the, in fact, I'm pretty sure the eleventh episode coming out next week uh, is will be a woman. And I have others in the work, so it's not intentional. I'm sorry. It's if it seems um, male centric, it's not my my intention. And I I can't wait to have um, more women on the show. All right. Moving along. Um, if you like the show, leave a review on iTunes. It helps. I've gotten two reviews. I'd love it maybe if I had five by the end of, uh, by the end of next week. That would be great. So I get three, three people to rate a review. It really helps. Helps people find the show. Um, but, but keep doing it word of mouth. Tell your friends. And also, I have a mailing list where um, I send out an email um, right now about twice, twice a month that might go up more or less in uh, in the coming weeks and months, depending on how it goes. But you can go to my website, EzraLip.com, and click the Connect button and sign up for my mailing list or do it through Facebook or or that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And one more plug. If you're in the Bay Area, my band, Magic and the Other, is playing in Petaluma at the Big Easy uh, this coming Friday at, uh, at the time of recording, July 21st, with our friends Go By Oceans. So come to the show. It's going to be awesome. 
All right, anyway, now that that's taken care of. My guest today, oh man, what a great guest. All right, so this guy, uh, my first memory of this guy precedes, precedes me actually knowing who he was. I believe it was around 1999, I want to say, um, at a now defunct club, but legendary club in New York City called the Wetlands Preserve. Um, and uh, I, was, I was there, I was, I was in high school, I was visiting a friend from in New York, from Massachusetts, and we went to see uh, this band Miracle Orchestra that I was a fan of. And this other band, the Jazz Farmers, was also playing downstairs because they'd often have simultaneous shows, two or three bands sometimes at the Wetlands. Uh, I think there were, there's at least two rooms. I can't remember if there's a third room. But anyway, uh, and I just remember, I don't think we saw a ton of the Jazz Farmers set that night, but I do remember it being about 3 a.m., and all the music upstairs had left, and there was just this one guy. I think the rest of the, the band had left the stage too, and it was just this one guy at the organ just kind of going off, and um, and I didn't know who it was. I didn't know anything about him, um, but that image stuck with me, and then later, um, years later, when um, I put it together that my guest today was in that band, I was like, aha, of course. So, so that, was my, that was my first... Uh, that was my first impression. My second impression of my guest today was in 2001, or two, excuse me. I, I flew out to California, visited some family, and I took a, took a road trip from, from L.A. with my friend, my first High Sierra Music Festival, and I believe it was also the first year that the Benevento-Russo duo was playing, Marco Benevento and Joe Russo. And after that, I, I was pretty much sold on Marco and um have been a fan ever since and marco has gone on to do great things he uh he's played in the band garage a trois with skerrick mike dylan stanton moore all all legendary uh players he's in one of my favorite bands surprise me mr davis along with the slip and nathan moore now he's of course in joe russo's almost dead the uh the extremely popular um Grateful Dead cover band, and we talk a little about that in this episode. And then, of course, he has his own project, uh, Marco Benevento. He's put out several records, all of which are great. We talk about some of those. He's a co-founder of a record label, the Royal Potato Family. He's been a, played with, you know, Mike Gordon, Matt Chamberlain, Trey Nastasio, Billy Martin, John Medeski, George Porter Jr., the list goes on. Marco has been around. He's been on the scene for a long time. He probably does not even need an introduction, but uh, I thought I might. Anyway, so let's get right into the show. And, uh, oh, wait, there's one other thing I have to tell you. Okay, sorry, this will be quick. But Marco was so kind as to record his end of our phone conversation at his studio with his nice microphone it sounded really great, except for there was one problem, which was um, he forgot to put headphones on, so my voice is coming through his computer. So anyway, what I'm trying to say is that there might be a few moments in this episode where you hear my voice, and it, it might sound weird because I had to kind of cut back and forth between my recording of myself and also making sure it, it, it wasn't interfering with the what you hear of Marco's end of my conversation, I did my best to make it as smooth. So I hope it's not too distracting. 
every episode I'm learning so much more about how to make this better, um, including, including all the technical stuff, so thanks for your patience. All right, without further ado, please welcome Marco Benevento. My dude, what's happening? Hey, Marco. Great to talk to you. And uh, thanks so much again for doing this. Really appreciate it. No sweat, man. Thanks for having me on board. Yeah, it's great to have you. Thanks for being here. So yeah, so you leave for you leave for tour tomorrow. Um, did you have did you have an, you had a nice nice little break though at home? Yeah, I had two weeks off, which is great. Like I said, I get that like once or twice a year, <laughs> two to three weeks off. <laughs> How, do, how, does that, how does that work for you as far as lifestyle? I mean, I know, I know you have two, two daughters and, and a wife. So is that, is that challenging to be, to be away so much? Yeah, it's definitely challenging. But um, like my wife and my kids, they don't know what the other version is. I mean, it's always been that way, you know, since right. I even met, you know, Katie, my wife. Um, I've always been gone 100 to 150 days of the year just going playing music and stuff so i don't know i mean it's it's working you know i wish i wish i could be home more um but um my wife uh seems pretty cool with it and my kids you know when i leave they they they're like daddy don't leave and that's like the hardest part but um yeah but you know i mean they're used to it. And sometimes they can come like if I just like, we're coming out to play outside lands, uh, in like a month and they're going to come with me to that. And, uh, they came to, uh, you know, other festivals that we've done and they've, uh, you know, whenever I can include them, I I do. I, I like to think that like at some point I'll be doing 80 shows a year or I don't know just some other side I'd like to do a little less and be home but I mean it's hard because that's how we you know could pay for everything so it's it's hard to say no to gigs when they came up at this point um sure we'll we'll see we'll see what happens (laughs) um I feel like 80 is kind of like this magic number that that the really the really famous bands like end up getting down to you know uh, that can that can set their own schedules like and and not worry econ- economically totally i mean even i would say even less you know some bands right, do a lot right, less than right. that you know even just yeah. you know 40 40 shows i mean there's only you know 52 weekends in a year or, or something like that right so you know those are the best times to play but but yeah i, I hear you it's you know who knows? I mean, the good thing is I love what I do and uh, I have a lot of fun, you know, while I'm out there playing. It's, you know, my friend was like, oh, you don't get paid for the gig. You get paid to like get in the cab and go to the airport and get on the plane and then get in the cab and then go to the hotel and then, you know, and then the rehearsal and then the gig. You know, he's like, you don't you don't get paid for the gig. You, you get paid for yeah. you're getting paid for all that. You know, you just get tossed around like a piece of meat, just like, oh, where do you got to be? What do you got to do? You know, um, and that just, that can really wear on you. If it was like sure. some magical, some magical uh, thing just came and scooped me up here where I live in beautiful Woodstock, New York, and just, you know, hovered me over to where I needed to be. 
you know, <laughs> then it'd be a lot easier. But it's a little tricky. Yeah, the the traveling will get to you a little bit. I mean, when I first started, I loved it. I I, I had a Subaru station wagon and and. Joe Russo and I toured as a duo, and I loved it. I loved getting in the car and driving around and checking out crazy states like, you know, Utah, New Mexico, and Colorado, and getting out to California. So, you know, there's, it starts with a lot of excitement. <laughs> and then, I don't know, I'm going to turn 40 in a month. I mean, you know, I've been touring for like 15 years, you know. It gets, yeah. after a while, it gets a little like, holy shit, where do I need to go now? This is crazy. You know, but like I was just saying earlier, having your your two weeks off or your three weeks off or however many days you can get off is a good way to recharge your battery. So you're you're you know you're liking it. But uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, how's how's the new band working out? I know. Um, well, I know I know you've been playing with Karina Reichman for a little bit, and I know now now you have Dave Butler too, um, who uh, who's who's great. Yeah, basically, Andy, our drummer, got offered a big tour to go over to Europe and Australia, and you know, do a whole you know record cycle with Katie Lang, I, I believe. And um, so he had the kid, and he got this gig, and and um, you know, he was he he had to sort of you know take some time away. But Dave has been crushing it for for us, you know, um, as we figure out what Andy's gonna do. But um. But yeah, anyway, Andy or Dave, I mean, they're, I got to say, they're both just ridiculously freaking awesome drummers that, that like, know all the music really well. And, you know, the, I get my, you know, Keith Moon and John Bonham fix, you know, from those guys, because I'll, I'll, I'll be like, no, dude, more, more Toms, just more Toms. This band loves Toms. Like... Well, at one point we had concert toms, and you know we put one floor tom on the other side, and another floor tom on the other side. I don't know. I'm I'm way into the into the big. I'm way into the drums and the and the drum part of our band, which is you know is a is a big part of of our sound. Yeah, yeah. I got to say. Um, so, but yeah, you know, Karina, I guess would be like the sort of newest member, you know, because Dave Drywitz was our bass player. And now he's, you know, touring with Ween again. Uh, he's been with mm-hmm. Ween for, for years, 20 years, I think, or more. Wow. And, uh, wow. you know, and then Ween sort of split up for a minute, and we were lucky enough to, to be touring with him and playing with him. And and he's such a badass and is like an encyclopedia of musical knowledge, and, and he knows so much about films, and he's just a really smart guy and a great guy to have in the van <laughs> when you're driving around. He's a great DJ. Mm-hmm. Mm, nice. Um, but, uh, he, he knew he was sort of getting out, uh, and he hung out with Karina and taught her all the music and, you know, had her sub for him, um, uh, a couple times. And then eventually it just sort of morphed into like, okay, I think Karina's like, you know, in the band now it was a very, uh, graceful transition. Um, and, uh, and she's killing it. I love her energy. She's like, she's like a heavy metal guitarist that plays bass with us. Like literally, she she's been in bands playing you know guitar and and is slaying it, and now she's into playing bass. So um, she, when it comes to the the parts of our music that are kind of distorted, lead bass heavy, she really you know she really embraces that and kills it. Um, so she's great. I love having Karina, and her energy is amazing. She's super young too. She's like, I think she's twenty two or twenty three. It's ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so having her on the road is awesome. And you know, I got to say just onward to the 
to the crew, there's only two more people. We have our sound guy and our lighting guy. And, you know, it's nice to have, uh, you know, the crew. And they're amazing. We get along with them really well. And I've, I've known Jeff, our lighting guy, since, like, second grade. So, anyway, you know, when we're on the road, we're, we're, we have a good time. It's not like a... It's not like a job, you know? It's not like something that we don't want to do. Um, and everyone's doing it because they love it, and it's it's fun, and we make a little money, and, you know, sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, who knows? We'll see, you know? So anyway, the the band is, is has been pretty solid. We've been touring a lot. Um, we just put out a live record, so we did, like, an East Coast tour and a West Coast tour, and... Um, We've been we were pretty busy this year, I gotta say, and and now we're basically working on a a new studio record, which is like that'll be like the the next big thing for us, I guess. I don't know this 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 new record I'm working on is it's gonna be different than any other one that I've done, I think. <laughs> and and your records, I have to say they've they've really evolved a lot as far as the style and the production. Woodstock Sessions, uh, Story of Fred Short, there's a lot of um, layered electronic sounds. There's there's sampled drums. Uh, there's, there's loops going on. And uh, I feel like early on it was, it was more jazzy and, and perhaps more, uh, some more, some more improvisational, syncopated moments between between the bands uh between the band you were playing with um and i'm and i'm wondering i'm wondering uh it was that a conscious thing to kind of make it it to me it's more like electronic dance dance pop now uh and it sounds great um but i'm wondering if that was a conscious decision to make it uh you know less less of the the jazzy organic sound and, and more of the layered electronic dance sound Right. And and first of all, do you accept that premise? <laughs> am, am I do you, is, am I accurate in that assessment? Oh, no. Yo, oh, you're totally uh I think you're nailing it on the head as far as musical description goes. Um I, you know, the the cho- you know, that transition from you know, the first record to the 7th or the 6th record, I guess. Um it was uh, a gradual one. Like there was, I didn't think of, of it at all. Um, you know, it was, it was just a, it was just an, a, a total uh, like evolution of sound. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was very natural. And, um, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with, with uh, the people in the band and also just my own growth. You know, like I started this band with Matt Chamberlain and Reed Mathis and, you know, for the people that know those names out there, like it's, it, you kind of already, you, you're painted this picture immediately, maybe in, in your head already of what the music might sound like when you say names like, you know, my name and then Reed Mathis and Matt Chamberlain. I mean, it's, it's, uh, we should just say uh, for the listeners, um, well, Reed Mathis, you could check out more about him on the, uh, I think, the fifth or fourth episode of this podcast. And he was in, uh, he has his own band, Electric Beethoven. He was in Jacob Fred Jazz Odyssey, Tea Leaf Green, amazing, uh, unique bass player. And then Matt Chamberlain is a legendary studio drummer, played with everyone from Pearl Jam 
uh, to uh, Fiona Apple and uh, a million other people, um, Bill Frizzell. And, you know, uh, Edie Brickell in the new, you know, like he, you know, he's been in like the full on MTV world as well as the full on like critters bugging, like avant garde, heavy metal jazz, you know, from Seattle type bands. But uh, you should get mm-hmm. him on, on your podcast. I'm, I'm sure yeah, I would love that. to. I'd love to. He's definitely on my list. Anyway, you know, we were playing music that was like um, another, you know, just, you know, another reference would be uh, Brad Meldow made a record called Largo and it was, you know, and Matt Chamberlain's actually the drummer on on that record, one of the drummers on that record. And, uh, um, you know, it's kind of like this cross between like just like rock beats and like, ja- you know, jazz improvisation without being without jazz being too misleading. <laughs> um, we would go to, we would go to rock rooms. I'm sorry. We would go to jazz rooms and be, you know, we play like a room like Yoshi's in Oakland, um, you know, and we would, we would, uh, you know, it would be kind of loud for that room. You know, I would amplify the piano, you know, and we would do our, our thing, our instrumental thing. And then we'd go to rock rooms and we would be like, kind of too quiet for the rock room you know we were like this in between you know um you know this band that i don't know if have you ever checked out est that band's pretty cool that's born spenson trio yeah yeah like they made a record called a strange place for snow and i was like oh i was i was sort of on that trip i mean i was coming you know 10 years ago i was you know definitely not singing and and coming from that sort of world of instrumental music. Um, and it, you know, I really liked it. It was vibey. It was almost soundtracky. And it, you know, some of the, some of the improvisation that Reed and Matt and I got into were just, it's insanely complex and, um, you know, very, you know, we, we had a lot of good conversations on stage together. It was, you know, humorous and playful and energetic and electric and loud. And, um, you know, and then the and the songs sort of fit that bill at the time, um, and then you know the songs just sort of grew into more, you know, songs with more drum machines, and then songs with more affected piano, and then songs with uh, you know less of a song form and more of a melodic sense. Or I'm sorry, more of a song form and and uh, more more melodic, you know, sort of uh, lines, and then. You know, it, it then the music sort of morphed into, you know, basically, I guess, midway through our fourth record, Tiger Face, had like two songs with, with Kalmia on them, uh, Limbs of a Pine, and This Is How It Goes. And it was the first time that I heard, you know, a vocalist, Kalmia, from Rubble Bucket. You know, I wrote lyrics and, and uh, I wrote words and uh, to the melody that I basically was playing, and I had her sing it because I just sort of wanted to hear what a girl's voice sounded like over this progression because I was imagining a, a lady's voice for the particular song, you know, and that was like the door opening to like, Oh, you should, you should, you could do this more and, and maybe hire her again to do it. And I was going to have Kalmia come sing more for our fifth record Swift. But I thought like, you know, we can't take her on tour and you know, why don't you just try to sing them yourself? You know, why not? And uh, and then for Swift we did for our record Swift our fifth record, 
we did. And that was like my first attempt at singing in a studio for my own record and writing words and all that stuff. And that was really fun and experimental. It sort of sort of has an element of like, you know, our first couple of records of like experimental music, you know, lots of reverb and I don't know, just produced in a funky way where it makes it sound sort of spacious. <laughs> um, but anyway, but it also had the, the lyrics and the, and the words, and the singing, uh, that record. And then, you know, and then start opening that door was like, oh, I need to do that again. You know, I really wanted to try that again. So then the story of Fred Short, our studio record, you know, is me doing all of that, but here in my studio and just sort of embracing the fact that I love singing and I love writing words and like, you know, writing songs like that. And, you know, but it, for me, it was again, like a natural evolution um, to go from, you know, Yoshi's to the independent, you know, or something like that. Like it, it worked, you know, musically for me and it worked. I, I you know, I didn't even think about it. Like I say, it just, it's just the mood that I was in and the, and the, maybe the crowd's getting bigger and wanting to like, play more stuff that that people could dance to you know maybe maybe that was a, a thought too because i mean i'm not just playing this music in my house and then selling records and making lots of money for my records it's like you have to go out and play your music right. and get paid for your show so your show has to be entertaining and good and i think it just it just evolved you know just naturally from going out on the road and playing playing shows do, do you all feel the time. like there's uh perhaps like more consistency or less, or I'd even say like less risk in, in how it is now um, without relying on improvisation as such a uh, active part of your set. You know, I, I like, I like the, I like, um, yeah. I mean, in a way there's less, you know, there's less question marks you know, throughout the night, like, I feel like, and I love question marks, you know, I love, you know, starting a song that I don't even know if the band knows, but I know they'll get it, or just, you know, starting it and playing and seeing if those guys can hop on board, and we can make something cool out of it, you know, I love those elements of, of, of our show, and of anybody's show, for that matter, but, uh, but yeah, there's more, like, now, you know, now we're, like, writing set lists, and, like, you know, the songs all sort of go into each other. And the way I look at a show more now, instead of looking at it all, instead of looking at all the parts of each song, I'm basically looking at the song and then figuring out the right order. So I'm like trying to figure out how to be the best quote unquote DJ of my own music, you know, instead of like trying to be the best improviser in this one song, you know, or have the best solo or have the best energy for this, you know, one solo of the song or something. Yeah, the 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 shows are more song oriented than you know improv oriented. And um, uh, but I gotta say though, when those improvisational parts, you know, peek their heads out for those specific tunes, it gets it's really exciting because you're you're really charged up to do it. Because I mean, it's it's where everything started from, you know, for me you know, improvisation and playing and just, you know, communicating with the drummer and the bass player and like, you know, jamming or, you know, or whatever. It's like, that's, that's where every, you know, jazz musician, rock musician, you know, any, any, any musician out there, I feel like 
could say the same thing is that you just you fall in love with music when you can figure out how to sort of noodle around a little with your friends and or even just with you know by yourself at your own instrument it's like uh it's a really good feeling when you're sort of discovering and, and learning while having fun and also using your brain and also forgetting about your brain it's like so yeah so when those <laughs> when those improvisational parts come it's it's really exciting but you know yeah, now our our sets are more um, dance oriented, song oriented, melody oriented, and and we're trying to figure out the the flow of the order of the songs versus like, you know, the, the how long the drum solo can be, and then the piano solo, and then the bass solo. There's there's a lot less of that going on. Yeah. You did you always know? I I know you have you come from jazz as far as the educational side and went to Berkeley College of Music. Um, and that it's, it's clearly you're versed in that music. Did you always, but I mean, right now you, you kind of hold this liminal space as I, I would say you're like a lead pianist in a, in a power electronic rock band, you know? Um, and, and that's kind of the, this genre and sound that you've, pretty much created for yourself. Did you kind of always know early on when you first were studying music that you would kind of be more in the rock world or uh, than, than like probably a lot of your contemporaries at Berkeley were like, I'm going to be jazz, a jazz pianist? Um, or, or did you just kind of find that along the way? It's funny all the things you think you're going to be when you're a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean... Yeah, I thought I was going to, you know, my goal was to be playing at the Village Vanguard, you know, and, you know, being like a, a Bill Evans, you know, or a Mel Dow trio or, you know, having a, a yeah. or, you know, VJ Iyer or, you know, like a, a or Bad Plus, like having a contemporary. Um, yeah, I thought I was going to have an upright bass player and a drummer and you know we were gonna it'd be awesome if we could just sell out like jazz rooms and you know i was gonna be writing music like that like i have a song called mephisto which is on our second record that's very really jazzy and you know like i i, I had songs like that that were like on my mind as far as what i was gonna be playing and um you know then i like yeah, and then that didn't happen. I mean, I didn't. I didn't know. You know, your your tastes change as a musician so much. I mean, it's it's insane how many different things you get into as a musician. I mean, like I'm like getting into Metallica right now. Like I'm, I like never went through a Metallica phase, <laughs> and I'm like going through Cliff Burton YouTube videos. Like, you know, I didn't think that I was gonna be getting into, you know, um singing and drum machine you know rock you know stuff that i'm doing now I, I i did not think that at all i i i thought i was gonna have my own trio and tour around and play small rooms and i didn't know i was gonna discover that if you pick up a guitar pickup and stick it onto the back of a piano or run it into an amp that it would amplify your piano yeah i didn't you know that was like a life-changing moment was like oh my god like you wait what if i put a distortion pedal oh my god it works what if i put a delay pedal oh my god my piano has delay and distortion live like right here in my house 
you know, I, you know, and then you discover that and then you discover technology evolves and you discover like, a, oh, a, a computer or a Pro Tools or Logic or a loop station. And then you're, you're, you, you know, so anyway, my point is, is that, you know, you just never know what you, what you're going to turn into and, and there's no use questioning it or, 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 or saying it that you're not a certain thing because really what you what I do as a musician and what I feel like most musicians do is you're just constantly exploring and finding uh you know different things you want to do but yeah I it is fun it's the I didn't expect to be doing this whatsoever I didn't expect to be um lugging around my own piano and you know playing rock rooms you know playing for 500 to you know 700 people a night who are standing up and dancing and having a light guy lighting guy we have a lighting guy i didn't even think we'd have a like a guy that like now we have it's a production like we have a we have like a show you know it's like a it's a thing now you know it's like it's evolved into this you realize that like being a musician is being a lot of different things i mean until you can get to that point where you're you have a lot of people working for you and you're sitting comfortably on your your tour bus or something you know but you you have a lot to do um you know, you have to be a driver, you have to move your own gear, you have to repair your gear, you have to, you know, book hotels and, and do all sorts of things and do a lot of different things. I, I didn't think it was going to evolve into this, you know, this thing, you know, it's amazing. I didn't know, I didn't think I'd be touring as much with a 10 year old, you know, I thought, you know, when I get older, you know, it'll be different, but I mean, it's like, it's, you know, it's just this natural evolution of, of things. So, uh, yeah, it is, it is funny what you think. You might be when you get older, but the uh, best part about it is is the search anyway. So I think it's great, um, you know, having uh, what's really helpful for this sort of thing is having, you know, people that you're with, touring with, um, be a source of inspiration for you and uh, a source of positivity for you. Like touring around with Karina and Andy or Dave, uh you know like they are awesome dudes they're awesome people and uh and that's the that's what keeps me like trying <laughs> and keeps and keeps me liking what i'm doing and uh also you know being home my kids like the music and you know my wife will you know we'll we'll all play music together or you know or work on music or i'll play them my demo and you know, my little kid will say, "Oh, I think that's the one that's gonna make you a lot of money, Daddy." You know, and you're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, you know. Anyway, so yeah, it's it's funny. You never know. I didn't think I was gonna turn out to to be like this at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad you did. I'm sure you are too. Um. Uh. I I while we're kind of. Talking about your your past a little bit, um, I'm curious. I saw that you had studied with Kenny Werner, who's a great jazz jazz pianist, and also um, I'm is kind of notorious for he he wrote this book Effortless Mastery, which I would recommend to any any musician, and and he has this really unique philosophy of teaching. I, I have a couple of his DVDs as well. Um, I don't know how much of this you got from him, if if this was a focus of your studies, but he, 
I'll, I'll let you take it over in a second, but he, ha he has this really conceptual ideas about meditation and, and, a, and essentially like letting go of any kind of preconceived notions about what you're going to play and just kind of entering this meditative state and being completely immersed in the moment, which, which honestly, I, I loved his book, but when it, when it comes to this side, that side of it, I, I start to, it, it, it's, it's a harder for me to find tangible value. Uh, not that I don't think it's there, but for me to connect with it, it's, it's been challenging to try to enter this meditative state and not, and, and you know, give up all control of my limbs to some something greater than me it, it it's a it's challenging did you did you did he did you do that sort of study with him or was it more traditional um i mean i think it, you know i i got four hours of lessons with him when i was like 19 or something Okay. Okay. Or maybe maybe longer. Maybe you know eight hours of lessons. And I also like did some other things with them here and there. Um, you know I didn't study with Kenny. You know that that much that much. I mean I got like I said a, a maybe eight hours over the course of like a month with him as like a gift from my dad, which was really awesome because he knew I was into um, you know Zen and the art of mysticism and you know music and. And Kenny Werner's book, you know, Effortless Mastery, like he saw me checking all that stuff out and uh, he was into it because he was, he's sort of into that stuff too. Um, but um, so my dad got me like as a gift uh, uh, lessons with Kenny. It was so cool. Kenny like called me up when I was like 18. He called the home line. He was like, is this Marco? I was like, yeah. He's like, this is Kenny Werner. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Hello. Because <laughs> oh, I, I was a huge jazz dork and a huge fan of his and like just heard about his name for so long. And That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. My dad's great. He, he yeah. uh, you know, um, you know, he like, you know, he saw me like wor worship, you know, or just looking so highly upon these jazz pianists, you know, and then like when he, when he heard me checking out Kenny Warner, he was like, well, he's like, who do you think he is? He's like, he's just a guy that lives, you know, in Jersey, you know, like, well, I, I can get in touch with him. I was like, how, what do you mean? He's like, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. And then like a day later, it was like, Hey, this is Kenny Warner. And, uh, anyway, so I, my lessons with him didn't last very long. Like I took way lot, tons more lessons with like Joanne Brackeen um, and you know, some other folks in Boston when I was getting into that whole studying thing. Uh, but anyway, my time with Kenny, uh, was relatively short, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, we covered a lot of just almost technical stuff. Uh, and you know, us, you know, just exercises and things like that. And then of course, uh, we, we did touch upon the, the meditating and the breathing and and that sort of thing. Of course, you you just you can't avoid that with that kind of a dude. He's he's heavily into that. Um, and uh, I I really liked studying that. It's it's a it's a hard thing. It's it's no joke. It's you really need to uh, focus on that and um, and figure out when you know when you think you might be doing it wrong or 
you know, figure out if your breathing is right. I mean, that's, you know, sometimes you talk about this stuff to some musicians and they're just like, dude, fuck off. Like, just, I got my breathing. I know the song. Let's just play the song. You know, I mean, and, you know, there's a certain about it that's part about it that's very true. But uh, there's also like, um, like, like a person who's popping into my head right now is a drummer named Andrew Barr, who you obviously know. But, you know, like, I feel like when I see Andrew play, he has this combination of both, you know, this meditative state and relaxed and also being a powerhouse, uh, you know, and, you know, because with this great relaxed mind can come some stuff that'll surprise you, you know? And I feel like with Andrew, it's like that, you know, it's like, so, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's, it's a whole nother study in itself. Like there's a lesson where you learn the, the music there's a lesson where you learn every note and where you have to, you know, know the song and play it for people. And that's a given. And then there's another lesson where you have to learn how to breathe and stretch and not think too much, but be alert at the same time. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of information and not very, it's not, it's, so it's very hard to, to just sort of do it and, and, uh, you know, not think about it, but I think it's, it's worth studying as many times as you can. But I mean, for the most part, the way I look at it is, yeah, when I go out there and play a gig or when it's like, you know, you get two hours of people giving you their undivided attention, you know, hopefully most people are actually paying attention and, you know, realistically, they are. I mean, you know, the lights are on you. The sound is on. You were there all day. You sound checked. And, like, here comes the show. Like, I... No one should be thinking on stage whatsoever. I mean, there's going to be sound issues and weird I issues here and there. But for the most part, you want to... The way I look at it is you, you just you play through and you, you kick ass and fuck it. Like, there's no wrong note. You just go for it and you got you to be you. And, like, just do your thing. And I think, again, like, having people on stage that make you feel that way is a very, very helpful thing. You know, sharing the stage with people that make you feel the opposite way is, like, that's that's hard to to play with musicians that yeah. make you too self-aware or something. And uh, it, it's, it takes, you know, you gotta, you gotta like the people you're hanging out with because you want to be able to, like, completely let loose. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure you've experienced the opposite too, as we all have. And oh yeah, it, it can be challenging. Uh, I get ask. Um, so you're in this band, Joe Russo's Almost Dead, uh, which plays the music of the Grateful Dead, with uh, the great drummer Joe Russo, Dave Drywitz, who is also in your band. Uh, hopefully, at some point, I'm sure we'll be again. Um, Tom Hamilton, Scott Metzger, and yourself. What is uh, what? What was your relationship with the music of the Grateful Dead before you entered this band? <laughs> oh, well, I saw the Dead twice when I was fifteen in New Jersey when I was in in high school growing up. I mean, the Dead was like if you wore, you know, Tevas and tie dyes, you like somebody was like, "Oh, dude, you got to listen to the Grateful Dead." I mean, I uh, when I was that age, I was more into like the Who and Zeppelin and like heavier stuff, and the Dead was like a little too country for me but like I liked it cuz they were um, you know great musicians and they were exploratory and it was cool and different and like yeah they're they're amazing uh I I got into the dead um 
in, you know, in high school, obviously, and uh, dug it. It wasn't my favorite, though, but I, I dug it. Like, I, I, I love the music so much more now. I don't know. It's like... Like even when I was fifteen or, or yeah fifteen or sixteen, I didn't really even know the band. Just sort of referencing things that you like sort of get into when you get older, and you're like, oh right, this is like the most badass shit I've ever gone in. You know, I I love this. You know, like the band and and the Dead yeah. and, and Neil Young and I don't know. I was you know when you're learning music and you're fifteen and you have all that energy, fifteen to eighteen, I was like freaking out about um, Miles Davis and. Uh, I was and like fish, like they they were quirky and weird and crazy and like uh, I don't know they're they're I don't know I thought they were I thought they were great um, and uh, and like Zappa and James Brown and the Meters I got heavily into the Meters I, and you know I was in I was into more upbeat stuff uh, and uh, I was really into Tony Williams. But so when I first got into the dead, they weren't my favorite, but now I love them. I, I have like a bunch of their vinyl and, and, uh, yeah, I dig it. I dig the dead, dig the dead. Um, but yeah, I don't think Joe even no. knew what he was getting into when this whole thing started. It was kind of like an accident. I think, I think the story is like, there was a, a gig at Brooklyn bowl where I think Dean Ween was supposed to play, but he canceled last minute. So Joe was like, why don't I get my friends to play the, music of the dead and just see what happens and it just like grew into this like it didn't grow it like shot instantly into this like you know it exploded to this like we want you to do that again and you have no choice and we're like okay (laughs) so yeah so i'm i'm curious about that because first of all congratulations it seems like you guys are killing it and having a lot of fun and the music is awesome so uh stoked for you guys but i'm wondering like from uh from a career standpoint, how it feels, you know, you've, you've, you've been busting your ass for all these years, you know, had this duo with Joe Russo, you've been building your own career for the better part of, uh, or over a decade now under, you know, having your own trio. Um, and now a couple years and you're, you're in this, you know, I mean, you could say a dead cover band in some ways. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, you guys are amazing, but you know, and now you're, you're playing Red Rocks, you're headlining festivals all over the country, playing these festivals in, in exotic tropical locations. Is, is it, is it, uh, is it at all, um, frustrating <laughs> to be like, man, I've been, you know, I've been doing this shit and now I'm playing Red Rocks as soon as I start covering the dead. <laughs> what the fuck? right right no i mean if anything i'm i'm just laughing at this whole thing i think it's just crazy um you know if anything it helps it helps i gotta say if anything it helps you know like it helps my fan base you know there's there's you know um you know it's it it hurts in in only one way is is what i mentioned earlier that there's only 52 weekends in a year maybe you know and and sometimes you know joe really wants to play a lot of shows with this band and we have been so that's that's the Mm -hmm. only hard part about it is like balancing my schedule with the dead schedule but yeah i mean no it's it's fun it's it's only like i said it's just challenging with the schedule figuring that out because you know ultimately more you know more people are gonna check me out um or something you know it's like people are gonna check dave out more and scott out more and even joe out more Mm -hmm. 
You know, it's mm-hmm. just a vehicle. And, I, you know, honestly, I've even heard some fans say, like, hey, man, I love this dead stuff, but when are you playing with your own band again? You know, like, so... Right. So there's there's people that are out there that are like really into the you know more original stuff, and then there's people that just want the nostalgic Grateful Dead show, um, you know, which is it's fun. I mean, it's it's quite silly, I, you know, that it's grown to, this fast to this level, and like you know, get it while the getting's good is sort of everybody's attitude. It's like you never know when right. Joe might get a call to go join. Beck's band or, or I don't know like you never know like everyone's yeah. a badass musician like somebody might go play with someone at some point you know like um, like when I went to go play with the Arcs I was like Joe I gotta go play with Dan Arbeck and these guys these guys are amazing like and he was like oh dude yeah. of course like you gotta go do that yeah. you know like yeah. everyone's like respectful of or you know with Ween like Dave's like I gotta do these Ween shows you know and so, you know, everyone's still doing their own thing and, pl- you know, you know, it, like it was, it, yeah, it was, it, it is a little frustrating with the schedule, but it's ultimately something that is gonna, I think, help and not hurt. I mean, I don't, I haven't heard, like gotten any weird energy from anyone being like, dude, why are you doing this or why are you doing that? So, I mean, I don't know, feels pretty good. <laughs> and even if they do yeah, say that, it's not yeah, like it's gonna change anything but you know feels feels okay i mean uh it, it is it is crazy like flying to denver and then being like i'm flying here because i'm playing at red rocks like uh, with this grateful dead band that was sort of accidentally started by like my best friend from you know right, right. like Junior middle high, school right. you know yeah so it's just and, yeah. and like yeah. that makes it Again, like going back to this thing that I've been bringing up a bunch lately, I guess, is it because go, going back to just being surrounded by good people and by friends and people you like, like, I wouldn't do this. Like, I would do, I'd be in a freaking, I'd be in any cover band with Joe Russo because he's like my best friend. You know what I mean? Like, I would, mm-hmm. if it was like the mm-hmm. successful thing what which it is and joe was like dude you gotta do it like just because it's with my buddy like and my friend and dave and scott like and tommy we're all friends you know so it's like it's easy because we're all just laughing you know with it's like it's just silly that we're able to to do that and it's it's great so all i gotta say is thank you jerry okay thank you jerry yeah, Jerry has uh, had profound impacts on my life and career as well. So I'll, I'll echo that sentiment made by Marco. I decided to end the interview right there. Marco had to go pretty shortly after to, to go uh, pick up his kids. But um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was a good, good note to end on. Anyway, I had a long introduction today, so I'll, I'll try to keep this brief. But you know, please reach out. Drop me a line. Let me know what you think of the show. Love all your feedback. Leave a review. Sign up for the mailing list. Tell a friend. Um, all your support helps. And in the meantime, stay tuned. A lot more stuff coming down the pipeline. Got some guests I'm pretty excited about. And I think you will be too. Keep keep tuning in. And uh, I'll see you soon. Thanks again, Marco, for, for your time. Appreciate it. And uh, hope you all have a great day or night. Wherever you may be. Okay. Peace. Bye.